Haggai chapter 1. Last week after I went home, I got a text or so, and somebody was uh, asking me the question because they, they had received the question from their child of why uh, Dr. Reggie would pronounce this book Haggai as Haggai, especially when our Bible drill people say Haggai. I will tell you Bible drillers are right most all the time, especially Ivan Hood, usually. I could tell you some, never mind. Usually he's right. I told them because I was raised in Mississippi, we were taught to add a letter or a syllable to every word. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Walmarts. And here, Haggai, the extra syllable that is added. So Haggai chapter 1, I want to talk to you today about... God continuing to renew us and restore us. I have been praying recently for us as a church that God would revive us. I'll be honest, I think things are going very well. We've had a great summer. There have been all kinds of missions opportunities that we've taken advantage of. But what I've been praying as we approach the fall is that God would stir in our spirit, that he would work in us, he would renew us as a people and get us ready because we are on the cuspus of God continuing to do a mighty work in our midst. I'm convinced of it. As school starts back, as folks gather with us, as the university takes off and the college students move, I am convinced that we will have new opportunities for ministry. But yet, God has to renew us, do a work in us before we can ever be the effective witnesses we should be when these people arrive. So I say to you this morning, I pray that God would stir your spirit just as he has many, many times before. There are moments when all of us need renewal and refreshment. There are moments when the preacher, the deacon, the Sunday school teacher, every individual that's on a committee, every individual that serves in a ministry capacity, there is a moment where all of us need a fresh touch of the Lord. And sometimes we need it corporately. And that's what we see in Haggai. We see Haggai the prophet coming to the people of Israel. And if you were here last week, we talked about how he comes to them and he encourages them to get back to the work. Their priorities were out of whack. They had experienced freedom. God had moved upon the Persian king and had allowed, had allowed the people of Israel to escape captivity and to come back home. They had come back home like in 538 B.C. and they had begun the work on the temple. They had put together an altar. They had put the foundation down. But after just a short, brief time, they turned their attention to their own needs, to their own houses. So what happens? God speaks. He brings a prophet named Haggai. And actually, a prophet named Zechariah will, will speak around the same time. And he will encourage. They will encourage those early believers, those people of God to get back to the work and he will work to renew them and restore them. We saw him address their priorities last week. Look in verse 12. As we begin reading today, you will see where the people of God respond to what God has said. Look in verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, 
with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke, with, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. The people hear the word and they respond. You see this, they are stirred, they are renewed. What you see in Haggai is this case study in renewal and revival. The people of God being renewed and revived. I want to I take that, again, these few verses and build upon the overall message of Haggai today and suggest to you that when you think about renewal and revival in your life, you're going to find certain elements that will accompany revival, that will accompany some type of renewal in your spirit. As a matter of fact, I want to give you a term today. The first term I give to you, I kind of made up. So I was kidding earlier about, you know, Mississippi people adding the the, the letter or the syllable, we also make up a lot of words, okay? We just make up terms and, you know, it just kind of sticks sometimes. So I want to I I tell you today, as you think about renewal and revival, especially as it is expressed in Haggai and how it's expressed in our lives, I want to give you a term. I want to give you a term, word up. Word up. That is, when you think of the word up, you think about the word being the center of your experience, the center of your life, and certainly the center of a renewing relationship with Jesus. The word, okay? That you center it exactly as God speaks to you. He, he gives you a word and you place it in your life so he can renew you. He can do a work within you. So what do we need to do? We need to word up. We need to get back to the word. We need to hear what God would say to us. I, I finished last week's message with a little bit of an emphasis upon this word because I think it is so essential to us experience renewal. If you and I are going to be renewed in our spirit, it is going to be because God takes initiative and speaks to us in some way. Don't you believe that? I mean, a revelation of God, an unveiling of God, is God taking the initiative to come to us, to speak to us corporately and personally. The Word speaks to us. Here's Haggai. He comes, and he brings a message of God. Notice how this passage says that the people recognize that it is the, that it is the voice of the Lord their God, even though it might be the it might be the verbal expression of a prophet. They know it is God speaking to them. And God speaks to them to stir them, to work within them. He speaks to them to renew them. Oh, how we need God to continue to speak to us. And how God is willing to speak to us. Even as we study his scripture, which is his divine word, he challenges us. So over the last few weeks, I've been looking at some different revivals and renewals in the Scripture. Last week, 
I went up to Fellowship Baptist Church out from Dubok, and I met some of your family, some of you, the good side of the family I met last week when I was up there in Dubok. And uh, I tell you, it was a, a great time. They fed me very well. I cannot button my seersucker right now. But it was an awesome time to come together. And I, I kind of looked through scriptures. I was getting ready to preach revival there. And of course, I'd been down at Zachary the week before. I'd been up to Bernice. The, so God is just placing on my mind this idea of revival and renewal. So I went through the scripture and I saw some different types of revivals and renewals where God would speak to his people. Uh, it may be like a recommitment ceremony like Moses would lead, even giving Deuteronomy to them, the second giving of the law, the idea of the covenant again. It may be that God would speak through Moses. It might be that God would speak through a king named Hezekiah who would bring revival and reform to the nation. It may be even later after Haggai's time where Ezra and Nehemiah would call the people to focus again on the priorities of God of, of, of worshiping and hearing the word, but also building the wall in order to maintain the protection of the city and the pride of the nation itself. There were all kinds of places you'll find renewal and revival. But perhaps my favorite one, the one that I shared last Sunday night at Fellowship, was found in Second Chronicles, specifically around chapter 33 and 34 and following. There was a young king. His name was Josiah. I love that name and I love that king. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He was 16, the Bible says, when he started like seeking the Lord in the Lord's way. He was 20 years old when he started leading reform and revival and renewal in the nation. And when he was 26, it says that the nation had been convulsed with God's presence and spirit and there was a nationwide nationwide revival. I love it. One, it reminds us, and I would say to any of you who are young here this morning, that God can use you to bring renewal and revival. As a matter of fact, oftentimes he will use young people to bring renewal and revival. And he brought, he used Josiah. I love, I love it. I used to tell Leslie we were going to have a son named Josiah. Do you see how much influence I have? Here a while back, I said, Leslie, I think we still got time to have one more child. I said, I've always wanted a son named Josiah. And she said, well, Reggie, just know you can change names. Like if you want to change Hayes and Rhett, go ahead. But there is no more children coming. <laughs> Not in this fashion, at least. You can think about other, but Josiah, a revival, a renewal. You know, one of the things that I read in that passage, it, it goes to me right along with this in Haggai. It, it says that as they're in there renovating the temple, because the temple had fell into disrepair. Well, that sounds familiar. The people had given up on worship, and they'd given up on the house of God. Hey, Haggai is calling the people to get back to rebuild the temple here in this place, right? Because when, <clears throat> when you grow cold toward God... The things of God and the worship of God and all of that, that's going, to take, that's going to take back seat to other areas of your life. You see it all through Scripture. But they're in there, they're renovating, they're repairing, and they come across the book of the law that had been lost. 
the book of the law that had been lost. Now listen, I lose a lot of stuff. I don't know about you, but there are, I mean, I can lose something quickly. I can, I can lose keys, especially on Sunday morning. I, I can lose like little, uh, little pieces of paper that I'd written notes on. I can lose that. I can lose bigger things like journals. I, I can, every now and then I'll misplace my Bible. Every, I hate to admit that. But sometimes, sometimes I'll lose my Bible. Hey, I remember some years ago, I couldn't keep up with my class ring. When I graduated high school, uh, I got a class ring. And man, I was proud of that class ring. And I wore it everywhere that I would go. And it seemed like I kept losing it. I, I went over to Atlanta to a place called Six Flags. You remember that place? You know that place? You ever heard of a Six Flags? I see not many of you have been there, though, because you haven't had any fun in life. But uh, <laughs> I went Six Flags, and I got on that, uh, that ride, the one that, you know, it's got all the water, and it's got this, like, big, it's not just a log. It's like, a, it's like 14 logs is what it looks like it's made out of. It's a boat, and all of a sudden, you come crashing down from the top into the water. Well, I mean, again, I was enjoying myself. And I just come up with my hands like you do on those types of rides. And when I did, my ring came off and it hit the side of the boat. And you could see it's like slow motion. <laughs> it goes into the water. I get off. I think, man, my parents going to kill me. I hadn't had that thing any time and I've lost it. They're going to kill me. One of the other guys said, won't you say something to the operator? I said, well, they're not going to do anything. He said, say something to the operator. So I went to the operator, and I said, hey, I, I know you can't do anything, but I lost my ring. My ring came off. It's down there. He said, you come back. You come back at the end of the day when we're closing down, and I'll see what I can do. So I did. I went back. And you know that guy? He got down in the water. He swam down there. He found my ring. Also, he found five pairs of sunglasses and three hats. He asked me if I wanted any of that stuff. I was like, no, I just want my ring. That's all I want, all my ring. And I even paid him a little extra because, I mean, my parents were going to kill me. Did I tell you that? They were going to kill me. It was just a few days later that I was engaged in a Baptist practice. Um, some of you were engaged in this, especially when you were youth. I'm not suggesting you should, but uh, a Baptist practice of waiting till nightfall comes and going into somebody else's yard and uh, if you take the paper like this and throw it up in the trees and it comes back down, it'll, like, it'll stick there. You know that? Like, it really decorates it well. And, and I went uh, to be able to experience this at a deacon's house. Uh, I went and I was a youth minister. I took it, did this to our deacons. Right when I was throwing, boom, my ring came off. And I knew it was off. I started looking for it because I knew my parents are going to kill me. And I was looking, 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 looking. And all of a sudden, you know what happens. The deacon and his wife walks out. I think there was some, anyway, I, I better go. I, I just, and you know the way you, you just run, like you just run to get out of there. So I ran. I had to go back the next day and try to look in that yard and find my ring. I found my ring. You know what? I have my ring today. It actually, I put it on. 
It's not coming off. <laughs> Too much love and, and food through the last uh, 20 so years. But it's not, I don't know what's going on. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, there it is. Um, I lost it. You, we lose things all the time. But can, it, can you imagine this? Listen, can you imagine that you would lose the scripture? That you could lose the Bible? Now, you and I couldn't because we have so many of them. We have Bibles that look black and pink and red. We got youth editions and we have uh, women's editions and men's editions. And, and we have uh, the study Bibles, the life application, the Thompson, the Schofield, the Holman Christian Standard. Got all kinds of translations these days. Man, you can't lose the Bible totally. But yet, here was their, it was like their copy. It was like the covenant. And the people in the time of Josiah had lost the book of the law. But when they found it, they brought it out and they began to read it. And you know what happened? The people of God returned to him. That's what happens when the word is our focus. When you word up in your life, you will find that God will start to do new and fresh things within you. He will start to call you back to him. He will start challenging you in some areas that you didn't even realize were blind spots. You will start seeing things happen as God will bring you back to an intimate place, an intimate relationship. See, I'm going to say to you that our problem today is not the lack of the Bible. Our problem today is the neglect of the Scripture. We are not giving it the priority of our lives. Here, Haggai spoke, and they recognized it as the Word of God. If you and I recognize this as the Word of God, we're going to want to hear from it and see it and read it. We need it corporately. Why do we give so much time to it on Sunday morning? Because we believe its Word will speak to us. Why do we make such a focus in our gatherings, whatever it be, Wednesday night, Monday, uh, Sunday night, wherever? It is because we believe this is God's Word and it can challenge us and it can knock off the rough edges. And yes, it can comfort us and encourage us as well. We need it corporately. We need it personally in our lives. We need to be working through the Scripture in a systemic way, a systematic way in our lives so he will speak to us you are not going to be renewed in your spirit by a self-help book you're not going to be renewed in your spirit by a motivational conference you're not going to be truly renewed in your spirit by turning on the television and watching your favorite show or let me say this especially you are not going to be renewed by simply watching Fox News CNN or MSNBC the way you're going to be renewed is allowing God to speak to you through his word. We need it corporately, but we need it personally. And I want to say to you, you need to look at it personally and, and systematically work through it personally. And I would say to you that while you're doing it, asking to give you a specific word here in this scripture. Uh, Fred Wolf, who's been a hero of mine for a long time. Fred Wolf, old-time pastor down around Mobile, Alabama. He told me one time, he said, Reggie, sometimes you just, you say, God, give me a personal word. He said, now, you're systematically working through it. It's, he's, he said, it's not this lucky dipping stuff where you go and say, okay, God, I need you to say something to me. And then you go, oh, yeah, that looks like a passage. You don't do that. 
You're systematically working through, but as you're working through, you say, God, I need personally you to speak to me through this passage. You show me a word. And how many times does he give us a word right in the season when we need it? If we're going to be renewed, we're going to have to recognize and hear God's word. We're going to have to word up in our lives. We have to word up in our lives. May I say to you, if we're going to be renewed, we're going to have to wake up. We're going to have to wake up. Look at this. Look at this verse again in verse 14 in particular. It says, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. So something happened here to stir the leaders and all the people. The remnant, he uses the terminology here, I think, to talk about the faithful people who have come back, those who, who are seeking him. He said, the Lord stirred them up. The word stir there means to awake from slumber or to awake from sleep. It's not just the idea of, of stirring like we think about. It is awakening. It is jarring somebody so that they will see what is before them, arousing them. Oh, I love sleep. I do. I hate to admit, I love to sleep. Do you know how aggravating it is when you get awakened in the middle of the night, like around midnight, because the new watch your daughter has goes off in your bathroom? I know I experienced it last night. I love sleep. I'm going to teach a course somewhere along the line on napology and how it is biblical based on my reading of the Psalms. Rest. I love to sleep. I don't really like to be awakened. Too much. I mean, like, I like to wake up on my own. I can't stand to hear the alarm go off. I like to, you know, I just, I am. It's hard to rouse me sometimes in the morning. Hey, some of you looking ahead to waking up your students this week. Remember, it's the first week of school, right, for many of you. So you're going to go into the child's room and you're going to tell them on that first morning, Thursday morning or so, you're going to say, hey, first day. Y'all come on, y'all get up now. We've got to go. Come on, let's, let's go. It's going to be hard, isn't it? I mean, those little rascals get in that bed. I mean, they get to, I mean, they kind of made a ball. It, and you, it's like they're, they're stuck to it. You have to get up. Just come on, come on, let's go. I love the way we start that way. On the first day. <laughs> See, I, I don't even have to go in, Father, because y'all got testimonies all over this place today. About day number five, about day number five, you know, or so, you coming in, get up! I said, what are you doing? You didn't say, you can't get up. We got to go. We got, I, don't, I don't care. You, you got up earlier. You could have had breakfast. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You're going to bed at 7 o'clock. Not 7 o'clock. You're going to bed. You Anybody, come on, anybody. <laughs> it's hard to wake people up sometimes. Hey, I know there are people sometimes in the church that sleep. <laughs> I do not know how. When you have a dynamic speaker before you or so, I do not know how you can do it, but there are a few of you, and you think I can't see you, but I can. 
I used to have a deacon that would, my first church, the deacon, he would sit right there. He would sleep the whole service. I would go down. It was a smaller church. I was a little more uh, dynamic back then, active. I would walk right by him and stand right by the pew, and I would pop my hands. And I could not wake him up no matter what. He would wake up when his uh, alarm on his phone went off at 12 noon. And then he would sit there like, all right, preacher, are you going to finish? I started to say, you ain't heard anything the last 35 minutes. I know that happens. I know people like, hey, we don't want to be awake. But you know what? We need to wake up. Spiritually, I'm going to tell you, spiritually there are times when we need to wake up in our lives. And, and, and here it says, the Lord so worked in their lives that they woke up. They had been slumbering. Yes, they had. I told you they came back and they built the altar and they started the foundation. And now some 18 years later, they haven't finished. It's like they've been in a sleep for a while. And God was coming to wake them up. And when you are renewed, you're going to word up. You're going to allow the word to be something that is precious to you. And his word's going to speak to you. But you're also going to wake up. You're going to be renewed. You're going to come back from that sleep, and you're going to see the opportunities that God has given. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul writes, and I think he quotes like here uh, uh, just a little hymn or a little chorus. He says, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Wake up. It is the Spirit of God. Now, you can't do it on your own. I know that. That's the reason I'm talking about God coming to wake you up. Listen to His prompting. Listen to His Word as He speaks to you. And allow Him to open your eyes, to enliven your spirit. I love the way verse 12 reads. It says, the people feared the presence of the Lord when this happened. It means that they stood in reverence to a holy God. That God had awakened something within their spirit and senses that they could see him more clearly. And they came back to him and they stood in definite reverence and awe before the almighty king above. You don't think we need that in our churches? You don't think we need moments again where we recognize the holy reverence and presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? Of where we bow before him, of where we submit ourselves to him wholly because of who he is? Oh, for services where the people would stand in awe of the presence of God. They woke up to his presence they woke up to his service. They woke up. I want to say this. There's some of you in here who have served so admirably through the years. Some of you who would talk about youth trips, who you've, you were ministered, you worked in those areas. You talk about places that you have gone in missions and ministry of, of, of music, of worship. You, there are all kinds of areas that some of you have been involved with. I want to say to you particularly, wake up. It's not just about your past service. God needs you now. God wants to revive you and restore you and renew you and use you. He may not use you in the same way. 
He may not put you in the same ministry, but I'm going to tell you that God still wants you in the game. Well, Dr. Reggie, you just don't know. I'm kind of past some of that now. No, you're not. If you got breath in your lungs, God wants to use you for his kingdom. Allow him to awaken you, to renew you. You remember when you fell in love with the Lord Jesus? You remember the excitement? You remember the joy? You remember how you thought you could take hell itself with a water pistol? You remember? My friends, word up, hear his word, and wake up for what he wants to do in your lives. Be renewed and revived. Can you imagine what would happen if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would wake up? We hear the voice of God and we see the attack of Satan himself today. That should wake us up. When we see what the devil is trying to do, in our culture, it should, it should startle us. Yes, the voice of God is what would speak and show us what we need to do, but we should be rocked by what we see in our culture and how it should awaken us. The quote that was attributed to the Japanese Admiral Yamamoto after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Remember? You remember what he said, or at least the quote that was attributed to him, it said, I fear all we have done is wake a sleeping giant and filled him with terrible resolve. He got to thinking about what they had just done to awaken a nation into battle, to awaken a nation with resolve to win. I wish Satan would have such fear that in some of these attacks that he has brought against us, that he would see the church of the Lord Jesus awaken as never before, and that he would, that he would cower before the power of the Lord Jesus Christ as it's manifested in his church. Because we are awake and we are filled with a resolve to bring forth the victory that Christ has already secured. It says that they were awakened. The leaders were awakened. All of the remnant of the people. It was a renewal and revival. So we word up. We wake up. And then we work up. Notice the scripture says that they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts. Back in verse 12, it says they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Verse 15 tells us that it was about three weeks after the initial word from Haggai that the people had finally gathered. Maybe they had gotten all the people together. They had finally gathered in Jerusalem and they started about the work because when you are renewed and revived, it's going to do something in your life where you work and you commit yourself. You're obeying. It is not just an emotional response. It is just not a moment of excitement. It is a moment that translates into obedience. 
Again, I told you I've been looking at some different renewal and revival moments in Scripture. I went back to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, God confronts the nation, the people in their conquest. They are incomplete in their obedience. And they come to a place that they will name or call Bokim. They come there and they hear from God and they respond in an emotional way. Bokim actually means to weep or weeping. So in other words, they cried over their sins. They were broken over their sins. But if you read the rest of the verses right afterwards, you'll find out that revival didn't stick with them. It actually says that after Joshua dies, and all, they just go back to doing what they were doing before. It wasn't a long-lasting revival. They cried about it. They wept about it. They were emotionally moved, but there was no real life change. And you know what's even sadder? If you read Judges 2, it says, A generation follows that, do, that does not know God. So here their parents were praying or crying about the things that were happening, but yet it was not long-lived. They, they didn't even really instill within their children the God of Israel. You and I, I, I love, I love feel-good. I love excitement. I love energy. I love those things. But when we leave a church, it's not just about how good we felt, the, the service, the songs, the message. Not all, just about... It's about what a commitment we've made because we've heard God's word and seen his presence and we're going to live differently when we walk out. Never forget the guy that stood at the back of the foyer at Pine Grove Baptist Church. And he looked at me and he said, Brother Reggie, he said, you warm my heart today. And I took that. I took it as a compliment as it was meant to be. I did. I liked it. Hey, that was cool. Just a couple of days later, he was arrested for abusive behavior toward his family. And you know what? I said to myself, I'll never forget him telling me that Sunday morning. He was in church and all that, and then this happens too. And I said, God, I pray that I don't just warm people's hearts. I pray that when I speak, your word will so transform them that they will be different. Because what would have happened if that person had not just had his heart warmed, but that individual would have listened to God's word that morning, been convicted, and changed his direction. And true renewal and revival will result in obedience with us going out to do the work. We've got to get back to the work. This, listen, this is not a showroom floor. This is a manufacturing plant where God comes to work in our hearts and lives so that when we go out, we don't just look good for people. We work for the kingdom of God. We've got to be about, and it was hard work. It was hard work. Unfortunately, there, unfortunately, there are too many of us Christians that look like China today. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know if you know this, but when people get married sometimes, they give them these dishes and all this stuff. You, you, and, and I remember, like, man, we went to these showers and stuff, or I didn't, but Leslie would come, she'd tell me, and I would look at all this stuff, and I was like, man, we have made a haul. <laughs> it's awesome. This is cool. You know, we're going to actually make it. You know, we're going to be fine. 
there are things, and we got plates now, because all you need is plates. You got plates to eat with. And I remember we got married not long after all those showers and stuff, and we got back, and we were doing it. We were putting our stuff in our, we were in a pastorium, and we were putting that stuff in. And one, one, one evening, I was going in there, and there was a box of those. And I said, hey, hey, we're going, let's use these dishes tonight. She said, No. I said, yeah, unless we hadn't broken these out. Like, they're in the box still. She said, they're staying in the box right now. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. We can eat off the plates. These will be good plates. They're pretty plates. We're going to, no, you don't eat off of China. <laughs> I said, baby, they, they're plates. They are made to eat off of. And she said, no, we don't. No, no, no. Now, we're going to have a little place over here, and I'm going to put some of them. You'll be able to see them in this, like, deal, and you'll, people will be able to notice. I, I, I know that. But we can keep them there and store them, but we've got to eat off of them first. No, you do not eat off those, Reggie. You don't understand. You know, we just went through this and this and this and this. And uh, you know what? I think, I think maybe, maybe she allowed me to eat off of them twice in 20 years. Maybe. They're still in a box somewhere. <laughs> These people spend good money on this stuff and it's not even being used. Any of y'all got China? <laughs> you know what? There are too many believers and Christians today, though, that are China. They think they're supposed to be set up on a shelf and look good. Uh-uh. God hasn't got room in the kingdom for a bunch of China Christians. What he wants is to use us practically every day. In the New Testament, we were told to pray for laborers because the harvest is plenty. I tell you, the harvest is still plenty. We just need laborers. We need workers. And what's awesome about this I don't know if you noticed this here. But Haggai quotes the Lord and brings the message, and he says what? He says, the Lord says, I'm with you. <laughs> In other words, you don't have to do it on your own. You work. You work hard. You work hard for the kingdom. But you ain't got to do it by yourself. You got God with you. God's strength with you. Hey, isn't that what he said in the Great Commission? Isn't that what Jesus? Jesus had said... That you're going to make disciples and you're going to do it this way. But he says, lo, I am with you to the end of the age. I'm right there with you. I give you the energy. My friends, we need some renewal and revival. We need God to do something fresh in us. We need to word up. We need to hear his word and make it the center part of our lives. This morning in this place, there are several of us who need to wake up and see the opportunity that God has given us. And then we need to work up. We need to get to the work of the kingdom. All of us are in different seasons. And yet it is amazing how God can take us and use us. You haven't been active since your youth days. That's okay. Now's the day to commit yourself to being active now follow him I haven't been active since my kids were being raised here in this church that's all right you can be active now I haven't been active 
in that ministry in years. God's calling you now. Listen and allow him to renew you and revive you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your message. God, you are so good in giving it to us. God, we are thankful you never give up on us as believers, but that you have a word for us. And there's some of us in here that have disappointed you, and there's a preacher that is standing here that has disappointed you. But thank you for never giving up on me and giving up on us. And God, thank you for constantly renewing and reviving us. God, we need a fresh touch. We need it here in this sanctuary. We need it there in the gathering. We need it, Lord, so that we as your people will respond so that we can see people saved and people discipled. And God, right now, get a hold of us. Allow your spirit to convict and to change and to transform. When we leave this place, we'll give you the glory and we'll do it by walking and talking according to your son's image. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as God speaks?